What's going on, guys? Hi. Hi, Jeff. So today I have with me uh, Quinn Hazley Wheeler. Wheeler. <laughs> okay. And Amanda Nell. Uh, Quinn is a funeral director? Or... Funeral director and embalmer, um, operations manager for Hazley Funeral Hazley. And Cremation. Okay. And Amanda is a CPA and a financial coach. And so I have them on today because the thing we're going to go over today at the beginning of the new year is death and taxes, the two things you can't escape. So we're going to go dark off the bat for the year. It'll get better as we go on, but wow. I wanted to bring them on and just talk a little bit about what they do and kind of educate everybody about, you know, things that no one really wants to talk about or, you know, deal with. So, uh, Quinn, you start us off. Tell us about. Just tell me, like, you know, what you do, what okay. the, you know, what a funeral home actually does. Because I think there's some, like, myths or there's some misunderstandings about, you know, at least for me. Like, if I think of somebody that works for a funeral home, I think of, like, the Adams Family type people. But, not the but I know family. you, so I know that I know that's not what it is. So right, tell me. right. Uh, no, so the funeral industry as a whole um, is rapidly changing. I think um, 20, 30 years ago, it was a different industry. Obviously, we still do funerals and cremations, um, but it's an inevitable thing, just like taxes. We're all going to die one day. Hopefully, it's at a very old age, and we've lived a very awesome life filled with uh, great memories, but um, biggest thing is, is your final planning of selecting that mode of disposition, whether it be uh, burial at a local cemetery, um, maybe a VA cemetery if you're a veteran, or cremation with having a memorial service or maybe scattering your loved one at sea. Those are all very popular things, um, I think, in today's day and age. Uh, especially here in Florida, a lot more people are selecting cremation. But our family has been in the business. This is our 50th year here on the Treasure Coast. And uh, we're very proud of that. And uh, there's a lot of great things coming for, for our business here in the up-and-coming year. But... Um, biggest thing is is just making sure that as we approach this new year is you know thinking about those final arrangements mm -hmm. and no one is too young too old to start thinking about those things um, one of the things that I like to preach is um, the importance of pre-planning anybody can walk into a funeral home and pre-plan their funeral what what is what is pre-planning yeah so Say that you're ready to, to go in and get some things written down on paper, whether you're wanting burial or cremation, you literally can plan everything to a T ahead of time. Getting all of your vital statistical information set for the death certificate for when that time comes, signing off on authorizations for preparation or cremation. Um, maybe you wanna pre-plan things and prepay. Um, and if you choose that option, you can sit down with one of our pre-need coordinators and set a budget where maybe you want to pay for your funeral over the next two years, five years, 10 years, and it can be literally as cost-effective as, you know, $20, $30 a month. So you're saying that like, I, so someone like me being in their early 40s, I can yeah. come to you guys and say, you can. I want to plan my funeral arrangements. Yeah. Definitely. Actually, probably a, a gift you could give your loved one. It's honestly it. the yeah, greatest gift that you can give your loved them. one. I don't know. It just seems like weird to it think about your death. It seems a little morbid, right, to think about your death at 40 years old. But 
again, it's one of those inevitable things, it's just like our taxes. It's a guarantee. So um, I'm put, so if I come in there, I'm I'm gonna set up with you guys like how I'm gonna get buried or cremated. I'm gonna set up. Okay, let's say if I get buried, like I'm gonna yeah. set up like my casket. I'm gonna set exactly. up where I get buried at. Exactly. Okay, so if I get cremated, I'm gonna set that up. I'm gonna mm-hmm. set up like pretty much everything so that if that happened, let, let's say I, I I do this with you guys tomorrow, and then six months from now or a year from now you know, get unlucky. Something happens to me like that's already taken care of. Exactly. So if you did prepay into that, whatever you had prepaid thus far would go towards the final expenses. Um, but kind of like a life insurance policy, there's normally like a two year contestability period. So like don't die in two years. Don't die in two years. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, but what people I think don't realize is you could go in tomorrow and sit down with one of our pre-need coordinators or one of our funeral directors and literally plan everything down. Your casket selection, the color flowers that you want for, for your casket or um, the readings that you want, the minister, the song selections. Everything literally can be set up and it does not cost you a dime to go in and sit down with one of us. The only time the money gets involved is if you decide to pre-plan. And here in the state of Florida, I can't just take your money and put it into my bank account at Hazley Funeral Home. That money is either put into a trust or into an insurance. So if I did go out of business for some reason, that money can be transferred. Okay. The other thing with pre-planning is say that you know you decide to pre-plan, but five years from now, you decide to move to Montana. Well, that prearrangement that you've done with us can be transferred to another funeral home. What if, so it, let's say that I did this. So I, I walked in you guys' office, to, you know, tomorrow and we, mm-hmm. we went through this and I started to, you know, set up a payment plan or however it works. And let's say that I paid whatever amount it is and whatever ever term or, or payment plan it is. And, you know, I die at 80. Right. Well, the cost of me dying at 80 is going to be way different right. than me dying at, at, at 40. So it's 40 years of inflation, 40 years of, of so, cost adjustment. Like, how does that work? Well, the one thing that we do, we try to always do an insurance because it's gaining interest over the years to make up for the difference in my cost. So all of my cost, my professional services, the embalming, the merchandise that you've selected, um, the time of my staff or our facilities for a service, all of those are guaranteed items. So even if you die 40 years from now, it's going to be the same price because that money is gaining interest in an account mm-hmm. to make up for that difference. Now, I can't guarantee a third party's cost. So say that you decide, um, you know, you want to go to the local cemetery down the road. Well, their cost now may be $1,000, just round figures. Well, in 40 years, their cost might have gone up. So your family would just owe that difference okay. of whatever that cost would be. All right. But the likelihood of the cost going up too incredibly much, it's not really a big chance with the not third party. Not to do it. Even right. if you're pre-planning at an early age. Yeah. Okay. But I think that people would, I don't think people in their 20s are thinking no, about No, people in their 20s well, aren't going to do kids it. Unless and, you grow up in the business and it's yeah. constant, you know, that dinner yeah. conversation. But uh, I would say the average person that is pre-planning is someone in their 60s, 70s. Um, that would be kind of the, the median okay. age. What about like tax implications when it comes to, I guess, so somebody passes away. So I guess it's more directed at you, Amanda, like somebody passes away. Like what's, 
what happens? Like, do they still have to file taxes? They do. They have to file taxes in the year that they die. Um, and then after that, it's their estate and whether or not whatever revenue it could be earning. But it, again, that's kind of a broad, a broad question depending yeah. on what, but anyone in the year that they, they die has to file a final tax return. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So we're, as we start the new year, it's tax season. It's mm-hmm. like the other part of this. No one wants to deal with taxes, you know, whether they're, you know, self-employed or they're a W-2 employee, you know, they, 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 everyone's got to file taxes and it's just one of those things that we hate to do that we don't want to do. You know, what, like, what is a, what's something you would suggest to someone, you know, when it comes to filing taxes from someone that's filing the most simple return, you know, like a, a wage earner to someone that's self-employed, that's got, you know, multiple business, multiple investments. Well, like, just give me, and I know that you're not, you know, you, you're a CPA, but you're more of a, an auditor, your auditor, like a corporate auditor, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. So, but just throw me something out there that could help people when it comes to, you know, just what they should do when it comes to tax season. Well, if we're talking about somebody that just has truly a, a basic W-2 return and that's mm-hmm. all they have, they can file themselves online. There's really no no reason to get like a most people most people are completely capable of walking through the prompts of sometimes a free online Mm -hmm. system or or the turbo tax it's actually a great system to to file when you get to where you're you're talking about investments and you're talking about rental properties and schedule c's and i mean there are some people that could do it but then i would highly recommend hiring a tax professional and by that, I mean a CPA. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that I've come into and it's like they they get, you know, Mr. Smith down the road that's doing taxes out of his garage and they're like... You can do that if got, you're not a CPA? Right. A CP, you have to be a, a CPA if you are doing audits or attest services. Mm-hmm. Um, but a tax return, I mean, most of the... I mean, some people at H&R Block and all of that, they're just people who have learned learned uh, the program and they can it's, it's sometimes it's just data entry but um you kind of get you, when you have somebody that's like doing it and they don't have anything to lose they don't have a license to lose they're gonna throw a bunch of stuff maybe on there that shouldn't be on there there's preparer penalties but they find they'll operate in the gray it. area a lot more than they, they, yeah. they don't have anything to lose. So right. they're nine times out of 10. When I hear somebody, they're like, yeah, I got pulled. I got audited. And I'm sort of like, well, who did your tax return? It's somebody I've never heard of. It's, it's, it's not a CPA. The CPAs are more of the sticklers because they worked hard for that license and they're not about to deduct something just because you want to save a thousand dollars on your tax return. So I would err on the side of caution and just, keep it above board and hire a tax professional. And mm-hmm. that's when you get into when you have multiple things and multiple schedules on your 1040. What's the difference between an enrolled agent and a CPA? Cause I've seen people that mention that they're, they're tax preparers, but they're an enrolled agent. Do you know the, like I, what the big difference is? I, I mean, a CPA has many different, different, you know, that you could be in anything. You could be a controller, you could be a, a tax professional, you could be an auditor, but an enrolled agent's just in taxes and it's just... Oh, so CPA, you could have many different positions in different places yeah. where the enrolled agent's just focused on yeah. on just the taxes themselves. Okay. 
Well, what do you think when it comes to, how do I say this? Like when it comes to, you know, preparing for tax season, but preparing in a financial way when it comes to like how you save money, because, and I guess I'm speaking in a self-employed type way, right? So I'm self-employed. So I have to set aside money, right? I, no one takes money out of my check, right? And so I have to set aside money. So, and I think this kind of ties into, you're also, um, you're also, what's your other title that you, you've got? I'm a financial coach. Financial like a budget coach, coach, right. Like, budget coach. So what, like, what are some tips from that side? So like being a financial coach and helping people kind of budget and, or just making better decisions or making, you know, just better choices when it comes to, you know, what they do with their money, when it comes to, you know, t tax season as a self-employed person, like, do you have any, anything for that? Like any tips or tricks or anything like that? Well, tax season or otherwise, I would just say my advice from, from that side of it is avoid debt like the plague, uh, especially consumer debt, not, not mortgage net, not appreciating assets. I, I wouldn't say avoid buying a home or, or an investment property, but I would avoid consumer debt at all costs. That's credit cards, that's borrowing for furniture, boats, cars, all of that. I would get it paid off and I would not pay interest on things that their value decreases every day. Um, Never? Like, let's say that, let's, let's say I don't, like say I have no debt right now, right? right. Let, or let's say I have a mortgage debt, but I don't have any personal debt, but sure. I want to buy something recreational. I want to buy a boat or an RV or whatever it is. I mean, do I, like, do I need to save up and pay cash for it? I can't, you don't want me to get a loan for it? I would absolutely recommend that you save up yeah. and pay cash for it. But what if the boat I want is 150 grand? Like, I'm not, like, how long does it take me to save 150? You don't I think, think I your should? your wife will tell you no. She, <laughs> no. She I would tell me no, but like, so you're telling me I that from that your perspective I to save up. I think that it's crazy to, um, yes, I would say that you need to save up. And I, I mean, I realize that that seems like um, unreasonable or to, to somebody who wants something that costs as much as a, a, as a house. But unless you're going to live on it, I wouldn't have a, I would not have a, a payment for something that is going to be less in value next year than it is this year. Like, I would oh, not, because it's, because it's depreciating it's because depreciating. it's uh, okay. Like I would, but I you're would, saying when it comes to a home, if I want to buy an investment property or something like that, something that has a possibility sure. or a higher possibility of appreciating, Right. That's okay to accumulate debt. Yeah, looking back over, reasonable debt, you know. Like over historical houses of appreciated time. I know that there's like and you could say, "Oh, well in this weird market that happened last year, my car, you know, the the that was car was one, yeah. that's so one off. I don't think that, that we base our, our financial decisions on exceptions. I think you need to like look back over time and and cars are never yeah. worth more than they were the year before, so I don't think that you should um you should if, if you do take a loan out on it, I think that your goal should be to get it paid off as quickly as possible. Even mm -hmm. if you took out a 48-month loan, like I wouldn't give yourself 48 months to pay it off. I kind of say the same thing about a mortgage. If you took out a 30-year mortgage, that you should make it as a goal to get it paid off as quickly as possible. And I, the other thing I would tell young people is to start investing as quickly as possible. Like it's kind of... the the scenario that I give people is somebody could be 20 years old and they could invest $200 a month for 40 years. And at the end of that, they, they will have put $96,000 of their own money, $200 a month over 40 years. 
and after 40 years based on historical yeah just the average investment the average rate historical investment rate they're going to have about 1.2 million dollars at 200 dollars a month let's say that same person his his twin brother decides to wait 20 years and they go they start investing double that $400 a month when they're when they're 40 instead of 20 and they go for 20 years investing double well that person still invested $96,000 of his own money and he's going to have about $300,000 in the bank wow that's a the huge difference, difference. Big difference. it's like it's because of compound interest and yeah. he who he who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it and it's time is your most valuable asset so although young people so don't have we, a lot of money to invest they've got time and that's more valuable than okay so what about somebody that's like my age or a little bit younger a little bit older somebody that's in their let's say mid 40s like are they you know are they screwed or it, like do it like oh, what do no, you do no, no. i mean i'm just saying it's it's never too late i mean obviously you're going to have to invest more than the person who started earlier right and a lot of people that are young or fresh out of college they're sort of like oh, i'll worry about that down yeah. the road when they don't realize like start now even if you don't have a whole lot to put in because um it's it's life-changing and they don't teach that in schools because they never taught that well actually in, in florida now they've they've made it a graduation requirement to take a financial literacy class okay, and pass it. Good. That's a brand new thing that should start next year. And I'm obviously all for that. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that those life, the, the just budgeting tools and, you know, I always laugh at the meme that says, you know, this time around, it's like, I'm really glad I learned, you know, this parallelogram season, you know, like yeah. when tax season comes around, I mean, they, I, I mean, we yeah. all had to, we all had to learn that, but right. I think that, knowing how a basic 1040 works, knowing how, you know, to budget your money, knowing how compound interest works, knowing the, the pitfalls of credit cards. I mean, credit card debt, my oldest is um, away at college now, and those credit card companies are all over college campuses. And yeah, they're, it's, uh, they're like vultures. Yeah. They, you know, you get a, a free, you know, Chili's gift card or a free t-shirt for filling out the credit card application, and it's just for emergencies, you know, and you're never gonna use it. Yeah. and your laptop breaks or something happens and then they just start that on that cycle of of credit card debt mm -hmm. then they stay on that they a lot of people stay on that forever it was never in, intended when they did it it was just for emergencies which is a term used loosely right. um but and then there's a lot of people that continue to use it for their credit card points i mean <laughs> the 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 credit card industry is a trillion dollar industry with a T. They, they, people love their credit card points. They think that there's no other way to book a hotel room or a, or a flight. Like, and like, you, so many studies have been done to show that overall you spend more when using a credit card I've, than, than with money. Like it's, you just, you just do. I've and tried that. I've tried, so I, I have a business credit card and I put everything on there and pay sure. it off and it's American Express. Like I have to pay it off every month. Right. And what, which helps, but the, the, in, in there, Oh, I was like, Oh, and I chose the one that had great benefits and great points. Right. And I didn't spend the points for like two years and they accumulated and accumulated. And there were so many, I mean, there was so many points that mm -hmm. I could have just went, I could have taken the family on a vacation somewhere. But like that, when I say, when I say take, the family on vacation, I could have paid for the flights. Sure, yeah. Maybe the hotel room, but right. we're still, you know, we're still going to spend money. So, 
it is a thing they get in your head. You're like, oh, well, I paid off every month, but I get the points. Well, that's great, but your danger of not being able to pay it off one month yeah. is it out, way outweighs the fact that like you can you know, buy, you go on their site, and then you're limited to what you can use credit card points for, right? You can... Well, like you said, you pay it off every month. Credit cards are really only beneficial to people who don't really need them, like people who could afford to pay for it on their own. That's the only people that credit cards really benefit. Otherwise, it is the most expensive way to borrow money that there is. Like for people who, who need it and then they're going to make the minimum payment or pay more than minimum payment, there's, that's the most expensive way to borrow money that there is. There's, now, people who are paying it off every month, they obviously didn't need it. Now, I, I would argue that they're spending more. So if they're using that credit card because in the name of earning points, oh, I get blah, blah, blah back, you on average spend 20% more. It's so easy to just swipe a card. Yeah. It's so easy to just, just add to cart. And we don't we don't live in a society that like either that says hey save it's like hey I gotta I gotta keep up with the Jones like oh yeah you know, especially when you're young and you're in college oh, I'm gonna go American buy this way. I don't have to pay for it it's right now American I'll pay way. for it later yeah. delayed well I mean we're everything we we're the kind of the start of that and then our children obviously exponentially it's um, everything is instant gratification on phones if I want to look something up I can I can know it in a second if I want to know the rules to a game I can know it in a second I'm gonna read the Ask thing Alexa. that came in the box. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Siri, my best friend. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's and it, it comes to our spending. It comes to our, you know, everything. I'm I'm guilty. I mean, I, I say all this, but I yeah, we I, all I fall prey to a good sale too. But it's, it's just the other piece of financial advice that I would have for people is to have a will. That is so That's important. So I will back important. that up hundred percent. Because people are like, oh, I don't want to get a will because I'm going to die. Oh, you're going to die. You need to do it with yeah. a will. <laughs> well, how does that so? We're talking about a will, like how does that tie in? Like, I mean, I, and this is another thing, and I guess I can touch on that. Is I was going to ask you about like just how you deal with the day to day stuff with death, the, the emotional. Like, it bothers me, but and I'll get back to that. But that the like will, do you ever? Um, and I'm sure you have deal with people that you know, like obviously there was no will, and like the, the funeral arrangements are just a complete like shit show. It is. I mean, and unfortunately, I feel that our society as a whole. Um, you don't have that close family unit really anymore. Um, so there's a lot more dysfunction that we deal with. And I'm not saying that a will is going to help me out making the funeral arrangements because it doesn't, but it's helping that family with everything after the funeral. Hmm. Um, a will, it, it is. I mean, it, it literally, I deal with families on a daily basis that don't have any type of final affairs set in stone. I mean, I remember Chris and I at, you know, 27 year old, 27, you know, we had just gotten married. I'm like, we need to go get a will. We're 27 years old. We don't need a will. I'm like, yes, we do. We, we now have a home. We have, you know, a lot of things to think about, especially once you have children in the picture. Well, if you have assets or somebody um, who depends on you, you need a will. Exactly. And I think that a large, gosh, I would say a large, I don't even know what the stats are, but there's probably something online you could look up. I, I, would, I would estimate that like more than half of the people that don't have a will that pass away at an untimely death. So, you know, untimely death, meaning you die, you know, not of old age or you don't, right. you know, something, you know, someone that dies wills. in their forties, fifties, sixties, like it probably doesn't have a will because it's not on their mind. It, it just like most things, it's not on your mind until it actually you have happens. to deal with it. Right. Exactly. Like death's not on your mind until you're like, Oh, I, I get, now I got to deal with this or, you know, so I, I, I agree. I mean, that's a, that's very, uh, a very important thing is to have a will, uh, especially because you don't want to leave, you know, your family and everything in, in 
you know, disarray. And then you've got people coming out of the woodwork. If you've got right. assets, right? Like right. all of a sudden exactly. everyone's your friend, you know, or everyone's your relative yeah. and, or, you know, even if you don't have assets and you know, you're just, you, you have a lot of debt and everyone's kind of now backing away from you saying, Hey, I don't but I mean, a will does help me in certain circumstances where, okay, this person that's passed away did not do the pre-planning. And now it's a gentleman that's passed. He has two adult children, um, an ex-wife and now a lady friend. And the lady friend is like, well, he wants to be cremated. And then the kids, who are technically the legal next of kins, want him buried. Well, if there's a will, you can make your kind of, you know, final arrangements in that will as well. There's oh, there's so a now part that, of the will that you can say, my yeah. wishes are to be cremated. And I'm leaving Jeff Register in charge of my final arrangements. Jeff Register may not be the executor of the will, may not be even a family member, but you're listing it in there and then the family can bring that to me and say, Hey, listen, this is what dad wanted. You know, we're, we're going to do this. I didn't think about that. So, so like, so before you, so if, if someone passes away and mm -hmm. they, they, they're getting cremated, let's say it, you, you've got to get some sort of direction or some sort of Correct. legal document saying that, Correct. right? Cause you go and cremate somebody that wasn't supposed to be cremated. Then right. yeah, you guys so are in trouble with cremation being such a final mode of disposition. We have to follow the law to a T. And in the Florida statutes, it is the right of legal next of kin. Well, sometimes there's not a legal next of kin, being there's not a spouse, there's not an executor of a will, there's not an adult child, brother, sister, whatever. So then that gets really sticky, and that's when a will comes into play and is very helpful if they had one because it would designate. But normally, more so with cremation, the next of kin has to sign off on all of the authorizations. They may not be the one paying the bill, but they at least have to sign the authorization to allow us to do the cremation. Okay. Burial's a little bit different because you can always exhume a burial if something went wrong. Once somebody's yeah, in the crematory, there's no going back. True. So there's a lot more uh, legality when it comes to cremation. I can imagine and I think the drama. That's another like mis misnomer is a lot of people choose cremation because they think it's one cheaper, one easier, like, but there's a lot more paperwork with cremation than there is with burial only because there's no going back. Yeah. They also think that it's going to happen overnight. And, uh, normally the average turnaround from the time that the funeral director meets with the family until the cremation occurs is about seven to 10 business days. Wow. Because you have to get the doctor's signature on the death certificate medical examiner gets involved making sure that you know what the doctor plays lines up with medical history and then we can you know go about the act of cremation so if someone and i this is kind of like my own interest because i don't know how this works if someone passes away in the hospital mm -hmm. like the, the family has to call they have to so let's say i have a relative they pass away and i'm the person that has to make the decision for right. whatever reason and so do i I have to reach out to a funeral home. Like, Correct. so I have to call you guys and say, Hey, uh, uncle Fred just passed away and we're going to, yeah, we need to, when you guys come to That's the hospital, like your first step. Yeah. So if uncle Fred died at the hospital, the next of kin would call the funeral home of, of choice. The funeral home would then go to the hospital to receive uncle Fred into our care. Um, but that's kind of the same protocol if the person was to die at like hospice house, for example, mm -hmm. um, a nursing home, or maybe you had hospice at home. Um, now, if it was an unattended death, meaning that Uncle Fred just passed away in his house, 
hospice was not in the home with him during that time. You know, Uncle Fred had been otherwise a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Your first call is 911. And a lot of times the first call is the funeral home. And then we're instructing the family, hey, wait, you know, you need to call 911. They need to pronounce the death. They need to make sure that there was nothing suspicious and what caused Uncle Fred to die. And then if they feel that everything is copacetic, then the funeral home will come and bring Uncle Fred into our care. Yeah, because I guess that'd be a great way to cover things up is just go ahead and get the funeral home in there first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they call then they call Amanda, their financial coach, and oh say, did I, did I save enough to pay for yeah. this? Yeah, I found this in Uncle Fred's house. Can I keep it? Right. So what yeah. um, what would you... So you're this is a family thing, right? So yeah. you were, you know, kind of born into it, born right? Born into it. What would you what would you have done if you didn't do this? Is this I what you went to school for? Or I did, but honestly, up until about my senior year of high school, I wanted to do marine biology. Like all four years of high school, I worked at Harbor Branch and the Smithsonian Institute here in Fort Pierce. And like that was my goal is to be a marine biologist. And I don't know, senior year something like clicked in my head and I was the last of my dad's kids and none of my other siblings were in the business and I had worked there on weekends and everything growing up you know doing the stuff no one else wants to do like vacuuming the chapel and answering telephones writing obituaries just wasn't Mm. that great job that a high schooler would really want Um, but it meant more to me to go into this business um, for my dad and for our legacy and our namesake. So do you want your kids to do it? I don't know. I think I would leave that up to them. I was never forced to go in it. By no means was I ever strong armed to go into this business. The biggest thing for my parents is they wanted me to get a bachelor's degree first. Mortuary college is only an associate's degree. So they wanted me to have something to fall back on. If I realized that, Hey, wait, this isn't really for me. Like I can't do this. Um, because that's how it was for my brother. My brother got his bachelor's, then went off to mortuary college, comes back home, you know, 22 years old. He didn't like the fact that at 22, you're on call 24-7. You know, you're getting woken up in the middle of the night to go out to the nursing home or the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just wasn't for him. And he's been very successful in the industry that he's in now. Um but that was that was something that was very important to our parents is for us to have something other than just the funeral business. If right. It, takes, it, it would have to take the, a special person to to, to do I could, this. And it's to do I couldn't do. It. I can't imagine. I, that, I can't. I can't. I, I can't imagine dealing with grieving people on a daily basis. It is not my wheelhouse. It's not even close to it. I I can't deal with people crying. I, I get uncomfortable. Right. I can't deal with dead people it's just like what you do like completely amazes me because i couldn't i couldn't do anything just like you man i couldn't deal with all that like i in my job i deal with numbers right but not to the extent that i mean i look at tax returns for almost almost every day yeah right? of course but this also wasn't my choice like i when i was in you know, high school and college, I just thought it's like, I don't do anything that has to do with numbers or math. <laughs> Not that I, in, in math's like the only thing that makes sense of all the, any and everything that you can think of when it comes to education, like math 
is absolute and final, right? Like you right. can't it's like, right or wrong. It, yeah. There, yeah, there's, there's no, no there, there's no, yeah, there's no nonsense with math. Like history is interpretation, right? English like, is like, subjective. Exactly. Yeah. So it, 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 math is just in, and, and so I just didn't have a love for it. And I did, you know, in the same thing, like I can't imagine dealing like with what you deal with. It takes, you have to block it out. And then same thing that goes to like, you know, it's, it's a kind of carryover to first responders, like having to deal with the same thing. Right. right. Like, and I know you, your husband, Chris is a first responder and I don't know how <laughs> either of you guys deal with, Me you know, either. what, cause it's just not, it's just something I always like, I have such respect for because I can't, you know, I can't right. do it and I can't I, understand it. I think that, you know, definitely it takes a special person and I can't speak for Chris, but I know that him and I both keep a lot inside of us. Um, kind of the term that I always tell people is I'm a carrier of others emotions. Like that's a rough I'm, thing to do. I am yeah. there during a person's most challenging time <laughs> of their life. And all I do is to try to guide them, be right next to them, to support them, and be the shoulder for them to cry on. And I literally bottle that up inside of me. And, you know, there's there's things that, you know, he and I both do, though, to kind of release that energy um, so we do stay healthy. Because if not, I mean, you could be in a very, very dark, dark place oh, that's very, heavy. very quick. Heavy. Um, there's a lot of people in his profession and my profession that deal with the PTSD. And, oh, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's huge. Yeah. Um, but for him and I, it's, it's a calling that we have, and we know that we're helping people. And thankfully, I have him that I can kind of be comforted by, and I have this incredible person that I can just let it all out. Like, here was my day. And he is just there and accepting of it. Um, I do think that you kind of were made for it or have made yourself for it because she does have like just a calming, caring presence to herself. She's Quinn's been like the funeral director for several friends and family. And it is like a, a comfort to see her there when you walk in and you see her there. Like it's, yeah, I got to experience it recently and, and I had never seen that's, you know, I'd never been to a funeral where, you know, that, you know, you had been there. So it was, uh, it was weird to see you like in that, you know, in, in your, your in your work, in your yeah, element, a, in your work mode. Yeah. But that's when I actually realized when I, when I saw you do it, I was like, I couldn't do this every day. There's no way I could, I, I could have the, I just wouldn't function well because we're all, we're all made different. We all can handle it, but there's certain things in life I can handle that people look at me and are like, I have no idea how you can handle right. that. So same thing, you know, with you, it, it's just. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's a- what gets you through though is having those relationships with the families. I mean, we're very blessed to have served so many local families here in town that literally, like, you're talking about four and five generations right. of you know people here in Fort Pierce. Can't say the same about Fort St. Lucie, but you know specifically Fort Pierce. And you know, I've grown up with these people. You know, my grandparents were friends with, with them, my, my, my dad. So that is a comfort to me. Um, and it keeps you going that, you know, it, it really stinks having to serve them multiple times. Um, but building those relationships is very meaningful to me. Yeah. Because before Quinn, it was her dad. Like it was my, my mom and Quinn's dad went to high school together. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. And 
Um, I mean, Quinn's dad did my grandparents' funeral, and I mean, and then as Quinn obviously got older, like more recent in the last decade, she's been the funeral director at the funerals, and it's a sad time, but it's it's when it's the right person, it's comforting to walk in and like see them there. Yeah, what would you have done like if you didn't? If you weren't a CPA. Well, funny story. I, I, my parents are both retired school teachers here in St. Lucie County. And it was kind and of. And I didn't know, and I didn't know that, be, but like when I talk to anybody and they say, however they know that I know you, they say, mm-hmm. oh, oh, you know, Amanda or Nan, Nan and Nell, you know, they say, mm-hmm. and they say, oh, her, uh, her, her dad was my, is he a, was he a computer teacher? He was a computer teacher. He was originally an ag teacher. Okay. So and they say he, that they're like, he was my, he was my, I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. But I know you're, so your mom was and a teacher too. And my mom, okay. they both, they both retired from St. Lucie County. And, um, and so it was a little bit the path of least resistance. It would, was what I grew up and I knew. And so, um, I, I had a math teacher in high school that really spent a lot of time, Mr. Schwinger. He spent, I, I was convinced I was oh not good. I, know I was convinced I was oh. not good at math. And um, he spent countless hours tutoring me in math. And, and, and I just clocked a lot of hours at his dining room table in the evening. He, we were close family friends and he lived down the street from me. And he just, it wasn't that I wasn't good at math. It was that it required a lot of repetition and practice. And I think a lot of people are convinced they're not good at math just because the time wasn't put in. And so by the time I graduated, I was like, I am good at math. And I was going to go become a teacher. I was going to mm-hmm. become a math teacher, like a high school math teacher. So my freshman year of college, that's what I was going to do. And I took and I was raised by educators, lots of educators in my family. It was just like a, a profession I was familiar with. And so I took my first um introduction to education class and I realized I do not have the disposition or the patience to teach children no. but because of Mr. Schwinger's investment in me I was still good at math and so I switched to accounting and I've been a practicing CPA for the last 21 years and I do believe that I would never have had the confidence to pursue that type of profession had it not been for the time that he spent convincing me I was good at math that that's good teachers like having a good and I'm the same way I've had some great teachers in high school especially in those like formative year like the sophomore to junior year yeah. like those yeah, teachers it's important. teachers are, are incredible. yeah it's and that's what I gosh. that's the same thing I wanted to be so if I could go back and and it's sad to say if like money wasn't a thing like if I could sure. choose a because teachers get paid nothing like it sucks mm-hmm. like they <laughs> I would be a teacher you know I right. would probably be a history teacher or geography something like that because they can have some really big impacts on kids, a lot bigger impact than sometimes the parents. And you may have a teacher for, what is it, like nine months of your childhood, but yet you have your parents for, you know, let's say 18 years, and they're gonna have such a big impact because as you know, it's just someone, it's not your, it's someone outside your family, it's someone that, you know, you're gonna listen to them, right? You pay attention to them. And I think that that is, uh, that's something I would do too. I think I definitely would have been some sort of educator. Well, once Florida passed the whole, they, they have a financial literacy graduation requirement. Now I was like, well, that's a class I could teach. There you <laughs> you go. know, like I was like, that's something that I could get behind and I could teach, but still it requires, I still have a lot of educators in my family and I hear the stories and my sister is in the school system and it requires a human element that I feel like I lack to be able to kind of meet people where they're at in that way. It's, um, I wish I had it, but I just, 
I feel like I lack the patience to yeah. put up with some of the stuff way. that they have to they have Very to do. Tough. My, I mean, I I have the utmost respect for every single teacher my kids have ever had, and I mean, in the end, I mean, especially in the the younger years, they spend more awake hours with your children than you do. Like, they yeah, they are like with your children, and mm-hmm. I. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys coming. Well, thanks for having it's us. It's been, uh, it's fun. I think it's been like 40 minutes, 50 minutes. Yeah, 40 minutes. So, um, how can people get a hold of you, Quinn, if they want to? Um, questions. They can go to our website, hazelyfuneralhome.com, or they can call us, 772 461 5211. And Amanda? My. Email address is amandanail at hotmail.com and my number is 772-215-1233. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, best luck to you guys in the new year. You too, Jeffrey. All right. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks.